The gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, beginning in the 22nd chapter at the 34th verse. Matthew, Matthew wrote these things. When the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. And one of their religion scholars spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. And these two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. As the Pharisees were regrouping, Jesus caught them off balance with his own test question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said, David's son. Jesus replied, well, if the Christ is David's son, how do you explain that David, under inspiration, named Christ his master? God said to my master, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, if David calls him master, how can he at the same time be his son? And that stumped them literalists that they were, unwilling to risk losing face again in one of these public verbal exchanges, they quit asking questions for good. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, help us to be mature in the faith, to be passionate in our relationship with you and with those you have placed into our lives, that we may be open to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and be slowly made into the image of Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. There was a young boy who had a toy sailboat. He built it. And he would take it to the park every day and sail that little boat on the pond. But then the inevitable day came when the sailboat sailed beyond his reach. And he had gotten himself soaked trying to retrieve it. But the boat had just gone out too far for the boy to rescue it. So he went home heartsick, expecting that he would just never see his boat again. But a few weeks later, he was walking through town when he spotted his boat in the window of the little second-hand store. And he was so excited. He went into the store and said, you found my boat. I made that boat. It's mine. And I'd like to have it back. But the man behind the counter said, well, maybe it was your boat at one time, but it's my boat now. If you want it, you'll have to pay me $20. $20, said the boy. It seemed like such an enormous amount. He had no idea how he would ever come up with that much money, so he started to hang his head and walk out the door of the store, but the owner said, hey, if you'd like to earn a little money, I could use some help around here. And so it was agreed. Every week, the young boy would come and sweep the floors, tidy up the shelves, and in return, the owner would give him a few dollars. 
And finally, the day came when he brought his pocket full of crumpled up bills to the store, and he bought his boat back. And he was thrilled. And as he walked out of the store holding his boat like a long-lost friend, he said, You're mine twice now. You were mine the first time because I made you. And now you're mine again because I bought you. You know, we are gods because God created us. And we are gods because God redeemed us. And that relationship is the basis for the commandments that God gave to Israel. Now let's just play a little game of what if this morning. What if someone who was visiting Brexville United Methodist Church for the very first time came to you after worship and said something like this. You know, I used to go to church a lot when I was a kid, but I've been out of the church for a long time now. It just didn't seem that important to me, I guess. I couldn't fit it into my busy schedule, but now, now I want to come back. And I feel like something is missing in my life, and I think I know what it is. So I've been visiting around at some of the local churches, trying to find where I fit in, and I wonder if you could tell me what would be expected of me if I joined this church. Now, a word of caution. If your first thought is, I'd send them to the pastor, that's his job. Think about this. That person just sat through a worship experience, right? And during the last portion of the service in, partic in particular, who is the most visible person in the church? Do you think that person really doesn't know who the pastor is? But they didn't ask the pastor, did they? They asked you. And they want an answer from someone who won't take quite so long to tell them what they need to know. <laughs> What would you tell this person about what it would mean to be a member at Brexville United Methodist Church? You know, I suppose the answer they would get would depend on who they asked, wouldn't it? Because different folks have different priorities. For some regular attendance, that comes first. Others might stress the importance of consistent financial support. Still others might answer that becoming involved in the life of the congregation, serving on a committee, or some other type of hands-on involvement, that's a high priority. And still others might stress that caring for one another or witnessing to our faith in our daily lives is it. So there are many possible answers to what would be expected of me if I joined this church. And I wonder this morning how Jesus might answer that question. If a prospective member were able to ask Jesus what it would mean to be a member of the church, how do you suppose Jesus would respond? Well, maybe we can gain some insight into that by looking at how Jesus answers the question put before him in today's reading. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, true, they are two different questions, but I believe that the same concern lies at the heart of both. The issue is, what is most important? 
Among all of the things asked of us, what is absolutely essential? Is there one thing that we must do in order to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? What is the most important thing to remember in our relationship with God? Please note also that the text doesn't indicate that Jesus even took a minute to think about the question before giving his answer. He immediately quoted back to his listeners two positive commands, and both of them begin with the words, you shall love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your souls and all your might. In other words, you shall love God totally, unconditionally with all that you are and all that you have. And the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you cannot do one without doing the other. Everything revolves around the command you shall love. Above all else, we are to love God and love our neighbor. Now that might sound simple, but you and I both know how incredibly difficult it is. Because sometimes when life gets hard, when we lose a loved one, when a marriage shows all the signs of coming apart at the seams, when our kids are in deep trouble, it's not easy to keep loving God unconditionally, is it? And God knows our neighbors can sometimes do things or say things or write things that make loving them just about impossible. But then we know that nothing of lasting significance is ever easy. Yet we need to see each other as child of God just the same. Sandra Palmer Carr in the devotional book, The Upper Room, told about rocking her young son, Boyd, who was then four years old. They were in a high-backed rocking chair, and Boyd was looking up at his mom as they rocked. And suddenly he lifted his head, stared straight at his mother, and became very still. And then he cupped his, her face in his little hands and said almost in a whisper, Mommy, I'm in your eyes. He had seen his own reflection in his mother's eyes. And it was a startling discovery. So Sandra kept rocking and she held Boyd in that same position for several long moments. And then she said quietly, and I am in your eyes too. Then he leaned his head against her comfortably and she continued rocking. And occasionally in the days that followed, Boyd would check to see if his discovery was still true. Am I still in your eyes, Mommy? He would ask as he would reach up to take her face in his hands. And Sandra thought about the love of God for her and wrote, In life's uncertain moments, it's comforting to know, I am still in God's eyes. My friends, opening our lives to others means that we have them in our eyes. In his first letter, John wrote, we love because God first loved us. Maybe we could say, because God first had us in God's eyes, we're able to have others in our own 
occupies. So essentially, Jesus has said that when we love God the way we ought to love God, we will love others the way we ought to love others. And when we love God and others, as scriptures tell us, we will find a peace and a love for self that passes all understanding. So how do we answer the question, what would be expected of me if I were to become a member of this church? Well, maybe one could just say, that's an easy question to answer, but living out the answer is when the hard part comes in. Because you see, the answer is all that you have to do is love God totally and unconditionally with all that you are and all that you have. That is part one. Part two is that you have to love your neighbor that way too. Still interested? Amen.